you can have all the Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio podcast with our new app. Just search your app store, uh, Apple, Android, Kindle, we don't care what you use. Search the app store for Explorations Early Learning, download the app, give it a try. Cue the accordion. I've always wanted to say that. Kick back and get comfy while hosts Heather Wenig and her co-hosts from the Early Childhood Nerd Collective explore ways to cause and effect. Dig that funky accordion. Hello, welcome to Cause and Effect. This is Heather and I'm joined on this episode by Tiffany. That's me. Who again, for some reason, I can't get through her five finger countdown. I just like to count Without down. giggling. Well, it's my problem. I'm, <laughs> it's my problem. So I'm glad you guys have all joined us again for another episode of our, of our podcast. We're going to do a little bit of talking today about school readiness. Ooh, dun, dun, dun. Ah, um, which means Heather's going to preach. <laughs> and I'm going to stand in the um, back and say, preach, girl, preach. <laughs> and Tiffany will say encouraging things. <laughs> No, Tiffany, you can preach too. Okay. Um, So let's see. It's, it's, I mean, it really is a soapbox issue for me um, because I've seen how it affects early childhood classrooms, this, this pressure to have children ready for school. And I, Mm -hmm. uh, I am starting to see how it affects teachers in public schools too. It took me a while to get around to that. Um, but I'm starting to see that too. But I think it's time for early childhood to take the conversation back yeah, and to, and to assert ourselves as the ones who should be deciding what happens. Yeah. Um, which won't happen, I don't think, without a lot of us talking about it and sort of getting on the same page and understanding. Everybody needs to get up on that soapbox. Yes. It's a big soapbox. It is. Room. You can sit Whole on my lap. profession can fit on it, guys. <laughs> We'll sit on my lap. Uh-huh. It'll be good. It'll be yeah. great. So the quote that I picked for this episode is from a book called A Mandate for Playful Learning, Presenting the Research, which is pretty amazing. Um, Heather adjusted her glasses at the end of that one. <laughs> I can tell she likes this book a lot. Uh-huh. It's a good one. Um, yeah. So anyway, here's the quote. Here's the quote. We'll try it again. <laughs> Emphasis on drilling basic skills to the exclusion of attending to thinking, reasoning, problem-solving, and emotional and social skills does not serve children well. Period. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) End of episode. (laughs) That's all we need to know. All we need to say, yeah. So (laughs) um, I just, it seems to me such a simple concept Mm -hmm. that stuff like problem-solving learning to think, being curious, having some, you know, good social emotional foundations going is so much more important for future success than whether they know their shapes and their numbers and can say the ABCs and tie their shoots. Yeah. Uh, But for some reason, it's a hard sell. It is. I don't know why. I think I know why. Okay. I have this theory that I've been working on and it's it's some next level. It's the next level nerd theory? right now. I am going to debut my theory right now. I think the phrase you're looking for is next level shit. Oh, were you allowed to say uh, that? Well, I just did. She just said that. We'll just put the little explicit warning <laughs> next to this episode. <laughs> Make sure I mention that to Jeff. 
Oh, gosh. Okay. So I have this theory that yes. the philosophy of learning mm-hmm. that our entire educational system is based on mm-hmm. is the, I want to say, perennial theory. Okay. That uh, at learning's core, you have to learn these basic things in step-by-step-by-step chunks, and that's how learning works. Mm-hmm. And you learn from, in, in this philosophy of learning, there is a teacher who tells you the specific things, and then it scaffolds it exactly for the next thing, and it's just like, bam, 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 you got to know this before you know this, before you know this, right. before you know this. Right. Which uh, is one theory of learning that, not, sorry, philosophy of education. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That does not encompass any of the other philosophies of education. Yeah. A la progressivism or constructivism. Or or fit the research. Or fit the research. About how any of us learn. And that's probably what drives me the craziest in this, with this topic, is that we have piles and piles and piles and piles of research Mm -hmm. that tells us that the way that we're trying to do things is not going to be the effective way to do these things. Yes. And we ignore it. Yes. And act on assumptions instead. This, um, so I, I, I've talked uh, on the Child Care Bar and Grill, Grill podcast several months ago about misusing research for this mm-hmm. purpose. And mm-hmm. um, so there's, the, there's a big push in the field now to be evidence-based mm-hmm. and make sure that everything you do has that evidence-based tag on it. Um, Funders look for that when they're looking to support early childhood programs, and um, it's a marketing tool for some of us. Um, But what we've done is we've looked at a problem, and we identify the problem. Children aren't ready to learn when they get to school, or they're getting to third grade, and they still can't do all the things we think they should be able to do by third grade. Mm -hmm. So first of all... That S word just came out of your mouth, number one. Which S word? Should. Should, yes. Yeah. Well, first of all, we have to look at the the validity of the problem. Is yeah. this really a problem that we need to be banging our heads against the wall about? And I would venture to say no. Yeah. If we're if we're really being honest um, and really looking at, you know, maybe maybe this problem that we've identified, children not ready, is not valid. Yeah. And that should be where our direct where our efforts are going. But we didn't do that. We kept moving past that. Mm-hmm. We identified the problem. But then we made assumptions about what we thought would fix the problem mm-hmm. and looked for things, solutions that had like a research-based tag on it. So I think about um, kindergarten readiness. Well, my assumption is that means they should be able to read. So let me find some product that... Um, Says they'll be able says to they'll teach read, teach reading and says that they have research that their product is successful or will mm-hmm. be successful. Mm-hmm. That's backwards. If we're saying that is a problem, kids aren't ready for school. Let's look first at what the research tells us gives them the skills. Yeah, that help you learn, and then let's base our programming on that. Yeah, and let's instead of backwards. getting stuck on this, kids not ready for school situation let's look at the school itself why why is is that the consistent message now yeah oh that makes me nuts yeah so and that's you know that's what nacy's position statement is there's ready schools ready children and ready community they -hmm. include all three but um as a profession we're sort of slow to pick up on that um plus i think we're letting the customer is always right 
kind of yes. guide us in this. You know, that's what families ask for when they call. So we better start doing it. Yeah. Or we lost three kids this week because their parents want to take them to a real preschool. So we better get some real preschool stuff going on. Yeah. Don't um, that. Instead of just being able to defend our our positions and our practice and yeah, because the the stuff is there to stand on. Absolutely. <laughs> and we're we're entering this really weird. Well, I think we've been in it for a while. This weird zone where a majority of the parents had nothing but drilling basic skills right. for their entire educational career. Yeah. And so they don't yeah. know anything different and they don't trust anything different because yeah. they haven't lived it before. Yeah. And I want to be clear. And I know that you agree with this too. It's the parents' intentions are good. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like they're, they're just wanting what's best for their child and they want their child to be ready and to be successful. Um, and they think that's what they should ask for them. Yeah. I need to, you know, when I was the uh, center director, I would get so many calls that started with, are you just a daycare or do you teach things? And I would immediately get defensive and angry at that poor mom mm-hmm. for asking that question when she doesn't have any other experience that would give her another question to ask. Yeah. So that's part of our role too, I think, is making the learning that happens in play-based programming visible. Yeah. To the people who are looking. Yeah. Plus, I guarantee you if that mom came in and said, um, I promised him that he could have Mountain Dew with his snack every day. So would you give him Mountain Dew with his snack every afternoon? We would be so outraged. No, yeah. And we would clearly say no. And we could think of all the policies and rules and health information that backed us up. But we don't do it in this one area for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think some of it comes down to confidence, too. Just confidence or confidence? Confidence. Oh, confidence. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just from the experiences of jobs that I've had, it took me until like this year to say to a parent with confidence, look, I've been teaching preschool for seven years. Sure. I may not know what to do when your child turns nine, but (laughs) I pretty much know how three to five year olds work and I've seen a lot. And this is your first time having a three year old. (laughs) Like I have experience here. Yeah. And that takes confidence. It does. And, but it's a, and that's a skill. Mm-hmm. So, so again, I don't want to, I guess I don't want to say, come across as saying um, we're all evil for not, no, definitely not, not, you know, standing up for that. But we need to know that it's okay and that we'll support each other in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to, it's a skill. If you're not comfortable with that conversation, you're not going to get comfortable by avoiding it. Mm-hmm. So practicing it or thinking about ways to help them see the learning that's happening yeah, um, in your playful learning environment. Absolutely. Can I go out on a limb on this one a little bit? Yeah. I don't know if Dan Hodgins would agree with me on this one, but I'm going to say it anyway. Sorry, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think that as a field, we really strive. And like every teacher does this. You strive Uh to be the best environment for yeah. every child there. You want to be the best thing. You want to be the best fit because you want to love all the children and mm-hmm. you want to be best for them. Right. I think at some, sometimes you need to say, Hey, I may not be the best thing for this child oh, and that's okay. okay. I may not be the best thing for this family and that's uh-huh. okay. That's their choice to make. Right. Um, right. I, I had a family leave me for a more academic preschool recently 
And at first I got really upset about it for all of the reasons you just said. Like, mm-hmm. I know the research. I've, I've been doing this a long time. I know that our environment is better for your child than the <laughs> drill and kill basic mm-hmm. skills environment that you are looking for. Yeah. At the same time, you have to trust parents. And you can, you know, you can, as a teacher, give them the information that they need. Right. And if they get the information that they need and they still make a choice, you have to trust them enough to make that choice. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I get stuck a lot. Yeah. And I, but I think that goes back to making sure that we don't vilify the parent for one, you know, it's, it's on us as a field that mm-hmm. we have that kind of diversity for them to choose from. You yeah. Know? It, that's on us for saying some programs are learning programs and some aren't. Um, yeah. and, and accepting that and dividing ourselves into all these little silos. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, I no, I wouldn't say that I would blame the family for saying I'm going to go try this academic preschool because he's got to go to school in a year and I want him to be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would take that myself and think, why didn't she, what is it about the way I presented the program yeah. that made her think he needed something different? Yeah. Um, and what can I do for the families who are still here to give them some peace of mind yeah, about exactly. what, what the value of our program is and, um, and what we're doing to meet the goal that the family has. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's a conversation, you know, what are your goals? And their goals are usually that they not be behind or, you know, they're so we can then match that to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, Rather than telling them what we think they need to know about our program, maybe we need to listen and find Mm -hmm. out what their goal is and then say, okay, we do, we do that. And sometimes maybe we won't, you know, if their goal is drill and kill and flashcards and and um, reading by four, then I would have to say, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that here. Yeah. So you're right. You should take them somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> and this circles back to the philosophies of education to me in that I, while I don't adhere to that philosophy of education, mm-hmm. I think that there should be room for it in the system. Okay. What? Like, tell me more. I, Talk I, more I, about that. <laughs> While I don't agree with drill and skill uh-huh. academic based preschools, uh-huh. if as a family you've done all the research, oh, okay, you've done all the learning, and this is what you think is best, and this uh-huh. is how you think people learn, I want you to have a chance to do that. Gotcha. Okay, I see what you're saying now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you, know, you were telling me to stop advocating. <laughs> no, I am not telling you to stop advocating at all. I was going to say, I think the episode's over. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. We're this done is the episode where Heather and Tiffany break up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see this like fundamental problem yeah. with our educational system is that there is no room for all of the philosophies. Right now, you have to be one philosophy uh-huh. And if you're an outlier from that philosophy, you have to work your butt off to defend yourself uh-huh. on what you just believe is how people learn. And it's uh-huh. not a, there are parts of it that aren't truths. There, there are big parts of it that are beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I think the only when those are in balance and when families can actually assess and choose how they think their children learn best, will we be in like a happy, uh-huh. healthy system? Gotcha. Yeah. 
and and I think you're right. Now that I, now that now that I listened to you, <laughs> <laughs> I had to get it all the way out first. <laughs> I think I think you're right um, because for some children, maybe that is the the way that they learn. You know, yeah. Maybe that is what's gonna what they're ready for, but we just can't make that blanket decision. Yeah, that that it's not right for anybody, and we we sort of need to get our egos out of it too. You yeah, know, um, in that case, um, this isn't something personal about me as an individual. This is a system that doesn't fit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I got that. This isn't to say that I believe in academic preschools. Right. I think that they're doing less harm than good. Does that, does, is that they're doing less phrase? harm than good? I think they're what? doing more harm than good. Yes. Yes. I would agree with because that. Because of research. Right. Right. Even, you know good intention, wrong research, wrong information, yeah, yeah. wrong follow through, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh shoot. I had somewhere I was going with that. I just, I, I think that, I guess I don't know. I see, you know, so I just finished, um, my bachelor's mm-hmm. after dropping out 20 years ago, <laughs> coming back around. Welcome back to the fold. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I was astonished at how uh, how this 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 topic was neglected and sometimes outright taught wrong mm. in some of my classes. Like mm-hmm. it seems like I, I, play was not mentioned in Which any is of so my sad classes. To me. Right, developmentally appropriate practice was mentioned in one textbook and was misrepresented as a curriculum. That was sort of a free for all (laughs) in the textbook. And I was so mad. Yeah. Yeah. And all of our, um, any, any time where we had to do like a lesson plan kind of thing for an assignment, it was very academic. It was very much, um, getting them ready for this outrageous idea Mm -hmm. of having to have all these skills that don't aren't even relevant. You know, they're not, there's no, they can't, you can't really make that meaningful for a four-year-old. Yeah. Counting and numbers and shapes, you know, in in a rote way. They have to experience that in a way that's meaningful to them, which is play. Yeah. Um, so that's that that drives me a little bit crazy. Yeah, man. So that makes me concerned about I don't know, like are we we're just we're not even training our workforce to come out and be advocates for what Yeah. (laughs) It's like you have to retrain. Yeah, and unlearn. There's unlearning that has to happen and then retraining, and sometimes that's difficult. Um, And, you know, some of our early childhood workforce were trained as elementary teachers. Yeah, that's me. And that's a big difference, too. Mm -hmm. So in your LED coursework, did you do much with child development, or was it mostly like classroom management and content area? All classroom management content. We had one child development class that started... Even though I have an early childhood elementary, that's like the stamp on uh-huh. our license. Yeah. Um, we didn't have a single specific early childhood class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all of the development stuff started at six. And like, you know, maybe we'd spend like one day, we're going to do birth to four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. This is the hour we talk about babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even then, like, I didn't learn about. Yeah. Magda Gerber until <laughs> my friend started working in a baby school. Like, yeah. you know, even the big important names aren't brought up. Right. 
Hmm. Hmm. That's a whole different conversation, probably. We should probably just start a college program, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, You start, you go first. goes and I'll join in later. All right. Sounds helpful. <laughs> um, I just was thinking about, uh, you know, different conversations I've had with preschool teachers, early childhood people. And um, so I've been to several over the last, you know, however many years, I've been to several events that are sort of meant to be collaborative between early childhood programs and school teachers Mm -hmm. and how can we make this transition smooth. And, Mm -hmm. you know, some of them are very good. Um, You know, I went to one where it was sort of set up in stations of developmental area or, or content area. And the kindergarten teachers were there and they would show us what kinds of things they do in their classrooms for that content area. And, and they were very clear at, at one of these, these meetings where they said, we're not saying take this back and do this with your three-year-olds. Yeah. So we're saying, this is what we do and, and what can you do? You know, think about what you can do to build the skills they need before to to that point. Yeah. Which is, you know, more, more palatable for me. Um, you know, so we came back after one of those and sent our uh, four and five-year-old teachers into their classroom to look at the environment and find ways that they're already practicing those skills. So it wasn't yeah. like come back and change everything because of yeah. this. But I've also seen preschool teachers like basically sit at the feet of the kindergarten teacher and just soak up everything that they said. And sometimes it's not appropriate. Like I have yeah. heard a preschool teacher ask a kindergarten teacher, we hear that you only use glue sticks in kindergarten. Should we only use glue sticks in our preschool classroom so oh that they goodness. know that? Like, and, and that was like, oh, yes, great. I'm so glad I came. This is great. Let's, and that's backwards. Yeah. <laughs> that makes yeah. me nuts. Um, that, that we are not saying, oh, you only use glue sticks? All right. Well, we'll make sure they have all the experiences with the other stuff before. Yeah, before us. all they use is glue sticks. Yeah, it's like, and I think this is a thing that Lisa Murphy says, you know, if we knew a drought was coming, we wouldn't start starving kids. Yeah. We'd make sure they had all the nutrition and food that they needed before the drought came. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's sort of an extreme metaphor, but it's the same thing. We shouldn't withhold things from children. Because we know they're not going to be able to do it in a year. No. You should then, therefore, make sure they get to do it a ton. Yeah. 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 So. Uh, Ooh, can I ask more controversial questions? Yeah. Do you see any value to uh, drilling basic skills? Is there, tell us the exception to this. Are there any exceptions? Well, I think there are, uh, how do I want to say this? Um, there are times when direct instruction is the best method for helping a child learn something. Is that, you know what I mean? Like yeah. sitting down and really going through some information. But yeah. I don't think even in that case, it shouldn't be like a whole group. It's because yeah. you've seen that this individual child needs some practice with this individual thing. Yeah. Um, whether that's, you know, like when um, when my son was in child care programs, he had no interest whatsoever in any kind of fine motor stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they would really try to sit and force him in the art area or to force him to do writing kinds of things or scissor things. And um, 
he had such a bad attitude <laughs> then about, yeah. about school because all he had seen was they don't like the way I do it and they don't think I can do it. So why should I try to do it? Yeah. Which was kind of his mantra. <laughs> oh, poor, poor guy. But he could have that mantra and get good grades still. Oh, so that's helpful. <laughs> so it was helpful. Yeah. But, um, you know, whereas, so that's an example of where that direct instruction doesn't work because it's mm-hmm. teacher direct, it's adult directed, it's adult driven, it's maybe not in line with developmentally what he, what he needed. But if we see, you know, if they were watching him and they saw that he was really trying to write his name or something, mm-hmm. then sit down and do some direct modeling yeah. and writing and helping, then I think that it's okay. But just to sit and do like flashcard drills or color quizzes and all that kind of stuff. I don't think that there's value in that for a child, you know, before they go to school and, you know, Even when they in go school. to school. Yeah. 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 If yeah. we're really getting into it, I don't know that our elementary school practices are such that they're um, in line, any more in line. Yeah. With the way yeah. children really learn and develop. And that's not a criticism of elementary school teachers. No. It's the system that you're in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the the way that your your job is your success is measured, I think, is another problem. Yeah. Um what you, what are things that you learned from drill and kill methods? <laughs> um uh spelling words. Mm. As I was older, I was a spelling bee. Oh, I also did some spelling Not a bee. champion. Jason Rosencrantz beat me. Oh, that Jason Rosencrantz. Second to Jason Rosencrantz. Um, And I remember sitting, you know, the weeks before the spelling bee, we'd we'd work in our little small group and just drill through the blue book of spelling words. Yeah. I would sit in the tub and my mom would drill me on them. I love that. Did it help me become a better speller? I don't think so. Well, we were already good spellers, but we wouldn't have been in that position. Mm -hmm. And because we were readers and had good vocabulary, probably, we had something, we had a shelf in our brain to put those new words on that, um, you know, maybe someone with less reading or less vocabulary doesn't have that yet. I'm not, I'm not better than them. I've had different opportunities than them. Yeah. So... I'm pretty um, sure that, I learned my times tables through drill and skill, and I would oh, not yeah. have been able to do it otherwise. That's true. You're I, right. I, that's, yeah, multiplication tables. But uh, I don't know if it was meaningful math experience no. for me. Like, no. that's not math I use much in my real life. You don't use your multiplication tables in real life? Not very much. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Um, I did not do any drill and skill for basic addition and subtraction. Uh-huh. And lo and behold, I'm terrible at it. But I did do, and I'm also terrible. <laughs> so we negate each other. Our experiences Touché. negate each uh, other. I love thinking about exceptions to the rule. That's how I'm on this. Yeah. I think that's well, like how you grow as a practice is thinking right. about exceptions to the rule. Right. And that's a big part of research. Yeah. And determining the validity of research is yeah. where where are the the outliers and the exceptions. Yeah. You know, the other problem with the conversation is there's not really a definition of school readiness. No. Like if we asked, and I think I, maybe you and I talked about this maybe before mm-hmm. UNCON, and then mm-hmm. we didn't really do it, but um, sort of gathering, maybe surveying people and finding out, like, what do kindergarten teachers define as readiness? What do yeah. parents define? What does, you know, what do I define? Um, uh, I sent you that list of... Oh, you I did, asked, yeah. I asked our yeah. kindergarten teachers, what, yeah. what does being ready for kindergarten look like to you? 
Yeah. And it was all things like, well, it'd be great if they actually knew how to wipe their nose instead of just rubbing it all over their face. <laughs> you know, like little things like, yeah, like way more heavy on the thinking, reasoning, problem solving, social skills. Yeah. Basic things like, I'd love it if they could ask me for help when they needed it. Right. Yeah. Maybe knowing their name, but even that, they were like, eh. Yeah. And we've had kindergarten teachers tell us, because we do try to develop relationships with the schools and try to be collaborative, and we've had teachers tell us, you know, I can teach them letters, numbers, colors mm -hmm. if they know how to be part of a group. Yeah. Um, so what we really need you to look at is social skills. But our practice doesn't reflect that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I may ask a teacher at the next school, and they want them to write their name and have their ABCs. And uh, so much, this is going to sound more critical of kindergarten teachers than I want it to. I know it's the expectations placed on them. Mm -hmm. But so much of what I hear as a definition of readiness is really what would make my job easier when they come to kindergarten. Yes. If, if they had these skills already, my job would be easier. Yes. We, and, we recently had to reassess because we had a few of those accidentally. Uh-huh. Like the potty training. Oh, yeah. Like you have to be potty trained to come to preschool. And I suddenly yeah. realized I'm doing the same thing that kindergarten teachers are doing with kindergarten oh, readiness. Right. I have preschool readiness standards. Yeah. 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 Lots of programs say, you know, you can't be a three-year-old until you can use the potty successfully. Yeah. Which for, for us some, it's hard because we use a public restroom. Sure. But yeah. at the same time, like, how am I supposed to be, you know, accepting every child that walks through the door yet? Right. Um, not if you yeah. still need to pull up at nap time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and our, so Indiana has a, a state level committee called the Early Learning Advisory Committee, and they do all kinds of good work. And they're really looking at stuff like this. And they developed a readiness definition for the state, wow, um, which I've meant to have and I don't now. How do you feel about it? It's it's pretty appropriate. I mean, if we're if we're going to have to have a definition of readiness, and it's really focused on the kinds of stuff that came from this quote: the problem solving, the the social emotional, all areas, whole child kind of stuff. But it's not measurable at all. Yeah, like of, that stuff's not as measurable as ABCs, one, two, threes, shape recognition, so true, shoe tying. So. I think that's a piece of it, too, is that as a school culture, as an educational society in our country right now, <laughs> we're so focused on measuring and proving success by those measurements Yeah, um, and that how, that's really yeah. taken over the conversation. Yeah. Yes. This is where I'm going to plug self-determination theory. Oh, okay. Go. Um, it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, except part of what makes self-determination theory awesome is that there are like ways you can measure intrinsic motivation and mm -hmm. belongingness and all those different yeah. aspects along the way. Because yeah. I think measuring is important on a certain level. But you have to know, you have to measure the right thing. That's right. what gets me. Right. And it has to be, all... you have to have an effective, valid tool. Yeah, exactly. For measuring. And exactly. I think that a lot of the tests we're using in elementary schools are not effective, valid yeah. systems of measurement. Just looking at Oregon has a kindergarten entrance exam. Mm -hmm. Like they, the whole point is that they, oh, they test everybody at the beginning and then they test everybody at the end. Yeah. And it's all, you know, tell me your ABCs. What letter yeah. is this? What letter is that? What yeah. shapes are these? And it, it doesn't measure 
anything in my mind. Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. how is that valid? This child that you've never met before doesn't want to tell you their ABCs? Right. Duh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then at the end of the year, when their trusted teacher is then again asking them their ABCs. It's much easier to report it out. Yeah. yeah. Look at these great results we're getting. <laughs> look at how good we are. Jeez, yeah. Dwarf. Oh, God. Research. <laughs> it can be the greatest thing. <laughs> yeah. or it can be a totally frustrating thing. Yes. Indeed. So let's. Okay, let's spend a little bit of time before we close out. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for someone who is thinking about whether they are able to defend and advocate for more appropriate or to fight against and push back these expectations? I do have advice for them. Uh, My advice is uh, when you're looking at developmentally appropriate practice, there's like the major four elements of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to list them right now because I've been trying to remember them, and you'll tell me if I'm wrong. Sure. There's cognitive. Yes. There's literacy. Language and literacy. Language and literacy. <laughs> Thanks. I knew there were two there. Yeah. There's uh, physical. Uh-huh. And there's socio-emotional. Right. Um, so knowing those four and thinking to yourself, drilling basic skills is barely a fraction of this cognitive development. Yeah. How am I supporting all four of these aspects of developmentally appropriate practice equally because they are all important Uh and not letting one of them throw off the balance? Right. So I would say maybe even get a big old piece of flip chart paper, Mm -hmm. some nice smelly markers, (laughs) (laughs) and and just draw out, you know, a box, four domains with each, those words in each box. Uh Look at your environment. Uh And just tally how many opportunities in the environment for each of those four. Yeah. And then sit back and observe children in play and tally how many times you see demonstration of some sort of skill in those four areas. areas. Yeah. And that that gives you some confidence and some practice in thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is, okay, so how do I show this to families now? Yeah. How do I how do I make this visible? I've got my tally marks. How do I help the families see? the learning in all four of these areas in the way we, we do things every day. Yeah. And then the third step down the road would be, okay, so how do I connect that to school success? Yeah. And it can be done. So I think those are the three steps. Practice thinking about it yourself, Mm -hmm. like you just talked about, and then look for specific examples of it in the way you already do things. Mm -hmm. If you find that there's an imbalance Provide Check, more balance. Provide more balance. <laughs> I think you'll be balance. amazed at how suddenly all of those behavior problems, air quotes. Yes. Like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I wasn't providing any means of physical development in my classroom. And now that I have these, I'm seeing yeah. this relationship between fewer behavior problems. Yeah, Interesting. yeah. And I think you feel less pressure to defend yourself as being a real teacher. Yes. Because you're better able to understand and you're not as challenged by the questions. Yes. That come. So it takes some of that power, some of that defensiveness out of those conversations too. Yeah. Which makes it more effective. All right. This was a good one. It was. I full had of fun. Controversy. <laughs> we said swear words. We sa- I oh. said swear words. You said swear, I said oh. swear words. Oh, um, dear. That's the measure of a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Did Heather break out the swear words? Yeah. That's our All new right. metric. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll work up a visual. 
for that too. Yeah. Okay. Thanks well, for this was me. great. Thank you for talking to me about this. See you again on Cause and Effect. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio.